Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Miss Freeland's newest mystery hero, Louise Fogg, is one of New York's first women police officers, a sharp-witted young woman of modest means, solving murders and overcoming prejudice to build an independent life in 1913 New York. Hi there, I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and today Liz talks about her long-lived career and what's kept her going as she's published close to 50 books, ranging from contemporary and historical romance to chiclet, family drama, and now her new historical mysteries. Yes, and great news, we've got five signed copies of book one in Liz's mystery series to give away to five lucky podcast listeners. If you'd like to enter the draw for a paperback copy of the entertaining Murder in Greenwich Village, you can enter the draw on Jenny's author Facebook page at JennyWheeler.biz. Entries close at the end of the month on March 31st, so don't delay to go into the draw. And if you've got any questions about this, there'll be details at the end of the show notes for this binge reading episode, along with links to Liz's books and website. But that's enough of me. Here's Liz. And now here's Liz. Hello there, Liz, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Oh, hi. It's great to be here. Thank you. So we've just been talking before we started recording, and you're in the depths of snow and ice in British Columbia, and I'm in the height of summer in Auckland. So we really are at opposite ends of the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy there's no snow and ice in Victoria, British Columbia right now. Oh, so. isn't there? Okay. No, no it's, it's, it's nice. It's, uh, it's, a, it's the most temperate part of uh, Canada. It's like the Palm Beach of Canada here, but it's, but it's, it's still cold, but it's not. It's not. It's not icy. Okay, that's that's lovely. Victoria is the island off Vancouver, isn't it? <clears throat> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who lived there many years ago. That yeah. Okay, look. Beginning at the beginning, was there a once upon a time moment when you decided you wanted to write fiction, and if so, what was the catalyst for it? Well, it's hard to say because uh, I I think I just have pretty much always loved telling stories. I wrote stories in school. And I guess the biggest catalyst was I was a theater geek when I was in high school. And I went to college and studied theater and uh, I started playwriting. And that's how I really started taking myself seriously as a writer, was trying to write uh, plays. And uh, after college, I started turning my hand just to fiction because it's it's hard to write plays for yourself, <laughs> especially when you're you're you know you're completely undiscovered and you don't you don't have a lot of venues for um, playwriting. So I I started writing stories and and even novels on my own after work, and I really enjoyed it. It's sort of like you, you get to be the sort of the puppet master of everything. It's, it's great. You're the director, you're the actor, you're everything in a, in a novel. So I really love that aspect of it. And, 
and never really looked back after I started writing fiction that way. Well, you've had an amazing career. You've written more than 50 romances under a couple of different pen names, Elizabeth Bass being one, Liz Island another. We'll get to that side of your writing a little a little later, but your new series is a mystery series set in pre-World War I New York and features mm-hmm. Louise, a very sharp-witted young woman of modest means trying to make a life for herself in the big city. What led you to make this jump from romance to mystery? Well, um, I wrote romance and then for a while I was writing what I guess we call women's fiction, which are just sort of family dramas. And uh, I sort of went through a period where I was having a family drama of my own and, um, and I just didn't feel like writing that kind of book anymore. And I felt sort of blocked. And uh, I decided to, I always loved mysteries. I'd always been sort of intimidated by the idea of writing a mystery, actually, because I, I sort of held them in a, in a lot of reverence. And I, I thought the plots were more intricate than, than I would be capable of. And so I, I kind of dallied with them on my own, but I hadn't really tackled one seriously. So I decided it was just the time to do it. And I'm lucky enough that I have a, a great relationship with an editor at Kensington. And he even, he said, if you want to write a historical mystery, that would be very interesting to us. And so I went ahead and just took the leap. Yeah, well, that's good because mystery after romance it has come up as a, a popular category in recent years, hasn't it, as well? Oh, yes, yes. Especially historical mysteries seem to be uh, in fashion right now, but... I've always known that whatever the fashion is at the moment, it, it can it can get sat the market can get saturated, uh, taste can change. I mean, the, you know, next year could be something completely different. So <laughs> there are guarantees. That's right. And you had written some historical romances, so the historical side of it wasn't totally new to you as well, was it? Oh, no, no. I'd written um, Western historical romances especially, and uh, it's a little different uh, just uh, because, well, for one thing, when I was writing Western historical romances, it was it was pretty much pre, pre-Wikipedia, pre pre-internet as a as a useful research tool and it's just a lot easier to research now there's just so much more available online uh, you don't have to go to the library and and just uh, spend an afternoon trying to chase down one fact anymore so <laughs> yeah it's I, I've done it before but it, it it's a lot easier now in a lot of ways so. And I gather that you, as an aspiring young writer yourself, ran away to New York in quotes, um, perhaps even did the writer in the Garrett thing for a little while. Could could you tell us something about your life in those years? I think you also worked in publishing for a while, did you? Yeah. Um, I did. I um, Well, this goes back to playwriting. I was in college and studying playwriting, and I won an award. Uh, for playwriting uh, in my third year, and I had enough credits to finish college at that point, and I thought, well, uh, the playwriting award came with, uh, I think it was $1,500, which 
just seemed like a huge sum to me at the time. And I thought, this is it. This is my big opportunity to run away to New York. And I, of course, I didn't realize at the time that $1,500 in New York lasts about two weeks. So, <laughs> so yeah, I did end up uh, in a very tiny apartment uh, uh, working all sorts of odd jobs, um, um, but I did, I did kind of uh, straggle into uh, publishing uh, this by the side door. I, I, I worked at a bookstore and studied proofreading and then got a job as an editorial assistant at Harlequin Silhouette Books. And uh, I, all these years, I was just writing in my spare time um, at night and after a while, I just decided to do that again and in reverse. And I ran away from New York um, back to my home state and studied uh, and started working on becoming a writer full time. Oh, right. Yeah. I quite liked the thought of you and your heroine, Louise, two young women in the same city, 70 years apart. And she had her own double standards and, and social barriers that she had to uh, try and break through as being one who wanted to step outside the norms and not just get quietly married. Did, yeah. Was that part of the reason that you set on New York as you were setting for the mystery? Partially, because it was, it was, it was, a, it was an easier place to lose yourself, which I guess everybody understands that. Uh, it's such a big city, you, and there are so many people who are immigrants and from other places there. It's just easy to reinvent yourself as somebody somebody new. And Louise, when she goes to New York, really needs to, to put the past behind her because she's been through a traumatic experience. She's given birth to a child out of wedlock and uh, has given it up for adoption, and she just wants to start over and remake herself. And uh, New York is the best place for that. And also because I lived in New York, I felt a certain familiar, I still feel a certain familiarity with it. And it's also a very easy place to research because there's just so much available about New York. Um, the history of New York, you know, what the, what the streets looked like a hundred years ago. It's 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 a fairly it's a fairly easy place to research, I think. So yes, yeah. So the first book was Murder in Greenwich Village, and the second one, Murder in Midtown. It's due out in a few weeks. Is it? Is it or is it already out? I've... No, it's it's due out in at the end of March. End of March. Mm -hmm. How many do you think there are going to be? Have you have you got number three underway already? I've almost finished number three. Um, I'm I'm writing the end of it right now, and I'm not sure how many more there will be. I'm hoping I'm hoping it uh, for six. My publisher mm -hmm. might have other ideas, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I had originally planned for there to be six. I have, uh, you know, the the trajectory of the story in my head is for uh, was always for around six books. Um, you know, give or take a book, I guess. <laughs> and in book two, she gets accepted into the police force. And I think I read somewhere that you said 
that there were 70 female police officers in New York at this time in 1913. Was that right? 70 out of 10,000 or something? Was that, is that? Yes, it was, there were not many, they, there were not many female police officers. They didn't have a lot of uh, different duties to perform. Um, They didn't like to put uh, police officers in public, I mean, women police officers out in public. Um, For instance, uh, they could have used women officers to direct traffic because there were no traffic signals at that time and and they needed policemen to do that work. And police women would have been good at it, but they thought that if they had police women out in the streets, that it would stop traffic because they'd be so distracting because all of the males would be staring at the police women instead of the road or something. <laughs> they had some crazy so, ideas, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, women women really had a limited uh, role in the police force at that time, but that changed fairly soon. Uh, in the tw- starting in the late teens and 20s, they got to do more work. And that's that's what I'm hoping I'll show with Louise, because she's going to have more to do uh, in the next book even than she's doing now. So. Oh, that's great. Yes, that would be a very interesting transition. And, of course, we're really definitely wanting to know what happens with Muldoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a, that's a little bit of a tease. But, yeah, uh, yeah I I'm interested in that too. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an interesting little slow-moving potential romance going on there in the background, which is quite fun. Yeah. Are you still doing other writing under your other names, like Elizabeth Bass? Are you still doing work in other genres and and other pen names? Well, I'm doing them on my own. I I haven't given up. Uh, I still have, you know, a couple stories that I'm working on um, that are women's fiction or... So along those lines, um, but I haven't I haven't uh, submitted any or sold any uh, that would be coming up. But I hope to. Uh, I still I still love uh, women's fiction, um, and would love to would love to keep writing that. Uh, right now, I'm working on the mysteries, and I've got a I've got a cozy mystery uh, series that's going to start next year that I'm actually working on too, uh, along, alongside the historical mysteries. So, um, I'm just trying to find, trying to find time to do everything, which can be challenging. (laughs) Can you give us a hint as to what the setting of that cozy is going to be? Um, it's sort of, um, it's a, it's a holiday themed, Uh uh, uh, series and it involves, uh, uh, someone named Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's pretty much uh, the idea right now. So you've had some um, very popular contemporary romances, and one of them I saw online was Three Bedrooms in Chelsea. It sounded very like a sex in the city scenario. You had three girls that were, quotes finding the job, chasing the dream, landing the guy and paying the rent on time. And it was published around about the same time as Sex in the City. But you having said that you're not too influenced by popular trends, I guess that was just something that came naturally to you at that stage of life. Yeah, I was, I actually loved uh, Chiclet, I guess is what we call it yes. here. Um, yeah. 
I, I loved all those books. And I mean, starting with uh, Bridget Jones, my sister uh, brought me back a copy from England when she had been to visit uh, in the, I guess it was the late 90s or sometime around then. And she brought me this book and she said, oh, this is just so fantastic. You should read it. And I was, I just fell in love with that whole genre. And, uh, and it, that's one, that's one uh, example of when I think the market really just did get oversaturated with those types of books mm. and publishers really pulled back from, from wanting to have as many of those as, as were being produced. And uh, I, I turned to, you know, more serious family dramas after that. But uh, I really loved the, those books and writing those books. And uh, that was, I think that was one of the first ones I wrote. And that the one that's got the most marvelous title, How I Stole Her Husband, is that another, is that another one of that chiclet type? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, that's actually a book. Uh, I, that book just came out of me incredibly fast because I just, uh, I thought of the idea and, uh, and thought of the title right away too. And it just, it, it just seemed to flow. And I have always really liked that book a lot. It's got a great title, I must say. I was trying to, as I mentioned to you earlier, I was trying to find them in digital form because I thought, oh, I'd love to read that. But so, quite a number of them aren't published digitally. You, you still are trad published, aren't you? Have you done any self-publishing yourself? No, I haven't. I, that's one of the things on my to-do list for this year is to look at some of my backlist titles and uh, and try to figure out how to get into uh, publishing them myself. Uh, it seems really like it'll be time-consuming <laughs> because I'm not even sure I have some of the files for some of the older books or they're on they're still on floppy disk or something. So it's it's a little daunting, but I hope to I hope to try to to uh, get some of them back out there. That sounds like a great idea. Um, I'm not sure how how they would read nowadays. I mean, some of the old romances from the 90s, I look at and think, oh, I don't I don't think anyone would still be interested in those. But I'm you know I can't be sure because I I don't go back and read my old stuff. Yeah. Uh, ever really <laughs> so, so uh, I, uh, I I would have to you know bite the bullet and sit down and read some of these and see if they were actually uh, dated or not and when you're writing under different pen names does it feel like someone else a different writer when you've got a different name does it change the way that you regard what you're doing you know that's an interesting question because I sort of feel like my voice is fairly consistent over everything I'm writing. Uh, I, I tend to write, you know, slightly humorous uh, kind of books, usually, you know, very female-centric. But I, I have to say, though, that when I'm writing under different pen names, I don't think that uh, I would get the uh, – it's mostly the audience I'm thinking of. The genre seems very specific to me. Um, I don't think a person who picked up a Liz Ireland romance um, thinking that they would be reading a Liz Freeland mystery would be very satisfied. Mm 
Yes. <laughs> you know, I think they find that it's a very different type of book. And, uh, and I don't think they might even want their money back. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully not, but you know, they might. Uh, readers are very, uh, readers are very, spe- they like specific things. And in fact, we're trying to figure out whether I'll need a new pseudonym just for writing cozy mysteries, because I, sometimes uh, mystery readers especially seem to be very specific sometimes about what mysteries they like. I know I have friends who um, I'll ask them, well, what kind of mysteries do you like? And they'll say something like, oh, I like everything, but mostly I'll just read police procedurals and they have to be with real policemen in a police force. It can't be a retired policeman. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll go into all of these things about, you know, what they want. And um, I'll think, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's pretty specific. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so so I think uh, think it's, the pseudonyms are more a marketing tool for the publisher than anything that I'm actively thinking about when I'm yes. writing. Yes, yeah. And is it the same publisher who's handled all of your work? Um, right now I write for Kensington mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. primarily. I, I used to write for uh, Harlequin and then and I started with Silhouette Books. I wrote Sweet Romances for Silhouette Books and that genre also sort of went away fairly quickly. Um, it, I think sweet romances sort of became uh, more inspirational romances. Um, they kind of got uh, devoured by that genre. Yes, yeah. so. Although I gather there's now quite a move back to what they call clean and wholesome romance. It's perhaps not quite so sweet, but it's um, romance without the sort of... Well, the, some romance moved so much towards the shades of grey end of the spectrum with a lot of S and M and and this was being hauled back a bit more into the clean and wholesome area, I think. But it's Yeah, mm. that's true. I think there is a kind of move back toward that. There are a few lines now that have started mm. that. Mm. So And I'm glad because I think people like all different kinds of it's like mysteries. I mean people are very specific on what kind of romances they want. Uh you know, and a person who likes uh you know Hallmark type of stories isn't doesn't necessarily like erotica, yes. you know. So it's good to have it's good to have a nice uh, array of, of of titles available to yeah. people <laughs> because nobody reads faster than than romance <laughs> readers. They are they are uh, probably the most uh, voracious readers I've yes. ever met. Yeah. You know. Of, so how has publishing changed during your time of writing? Um, you mentioned about the researching side of it, but is there anything else that really stands out? Well, there have been a lot of changes. Actually, when I started working at a publishing house, I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about, but when I started working at uh, Silhouette Books and Harlequin Books, um, this is it was 1989, and we didn't have computers. <laughs> we we worked on we all worked on IBM Selectric typewriters, and uh, every once in a while, they would bring somebody in um, to tell us about computers. Uh, we'd have little seminars on 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 you know what what would happen when the computers came. <laughs> 
just, <laughs> I mean, and computers already existed. I had one in my house at home uh, all during these years, but uh, publishing is usually uh, kind of slow to adopt new trends, it seems like, or at least it was back then. Um, so there was, there's always that. I mean, the, the whole... The whole computerized, digitalized uh, publishing world has completely, you know, revolutionized everything. And also, I just think publishing at some point just exploded. Uh, When I started, it was uh, it was really I was working in romance publishing and it was sort of the golden age of romance publishing because we had so many readers and and it was a very popular time and authors were. Authors were just beginning to look at self-publishing and, uh, you know, getting into their own promotions, uh, partially because they had to, because the, you know, there were so many romances being published, they had to, you know, try to get their name out there. Um, but then, uh, when, when self-publishing started, uh, things really just have gotten crazy, uh, you know, there are so many books out now uh, <laughs> coming from so many directions. Uh, it's just kind of, it can be overwhelming. Uh, I just, I spend a lot of my time uh, looking at new releases and what authors are out there and who's putting out what. And it's it's just, uh, it's astonishing uh, how much there is. And uh, it's astonishing that, uh, you know, things things can get seen at all. I know it's, 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 it's a much harder world, I think, to navigate than it used to be um, for the people who are already uh, publishing. Um, you know, it used to be that you tried to break into publishing and once you got into a niche, you, you seem to, you know, you're, you could pretty much uh, dig in and, 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 and keep writing that kind of book and, and, and build a career, and now it's it seems like every book is a is a mountain to be climbed. You know, every every release is a is a is a, a little a little tougher. Yes. you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a big industry, and you know, I think as a reader, you probably feel that too. It can be a little overwhelming. Yes, yes. that that segues nicely into one of the questions that I like to ask everyone, and that is. Is there one thing in your writing career that you've done, perhaps more than any other, that's helped you become a success in this industry? Well, I guess the first thing I would say is I don't really see myself as a huge success. I mean, I've hung on. And I think that's probably the thing I've done that I feel uh, has helped me most is that I've managed to keep persevering. Um, I think all writers face a lot of rejection and uh like I was talking about uh you know you start you you'll be writing a, a series that suddenly you know the readers readers lose interest in or the publisher loses interest in and it can be devastating you know it's you suddenly find yourself kind of orphaned and uh the thing you have to learn to do is to uh keep a lot of irons in the fire and a lot of things uh, going that you want to write, um, and and just keep keep on. And that's mostly the that's mostly the that's the most common uh, advice I get I hear from writers is that 
you know, what you have to just doing do is keep writing and and finding new new ways to express yourself when the old ways uh, hit a roadblock. And uh, I've been pretty successful at doing that. And, uh, you know, thank goodness, because <laughs> it's it's been uh, 30 years. So yeah, it sounds uh, like you needed to be resilient. That's one word for it, isn't it? Just well, that would be a good word. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So apart from your reading, and we'll get onto your likes and dislikes and reading in a moment, but I gather you're also crazy about classic movies. And I was curious as to whether you had a favorite in the movies that you'd like to share with us. Oh, that's a hard one to answer because it's just like asking about your favorite yeah. book. But uh, I, I guess I just love, I love so many old movies, but I think the ones I always come back to are, uh, I come back to certain actors and directors. I love, I love Hitchcock. I love uh, Barbara Stanwyck. I love uh, Joan Crawford movies, those old uh, female pictures that she made, um, like, uh, I guess, I guess I like Betty Davis. Um, I love I love old romantic comedies like uh, Pillow Talk. I think is just a hilarious movie. I could watch it a hundred times. Um, <laughs> I love so those. So that's movies. Rock Hudson and Doris Day, isn't it? Pillow Talk. Yeah. It is. It's Rock Hudson and Doris Day, and and they made several movies together, and I find them all just very yes, fun. Yeah, amazing to think she's turning a hundred soon, isn't she? I think. She mm. is. She's, she's an amazing person. Mm. Talk about resilient. Yeah. I mean, that woman went through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're starting to come to the end of our time together, but turning to Liz as reader, this, this oh, is called okay. The Joys of Binge Reading because I think reading tastes have changed as well. People have now got to um, anticipate that they can go online and buy a series digitally and read them over a week if they want to, like they binge watch TV. So that series have become a bit of a thing, I think, in recent years. But And, and the binge reading thing has kind of fed that a little bit. So is there anything that you like to binge read? And, and if so, what? I love to binge read uh, mystery series that I haven't uh, caught up on yet. Right now I'm reading um, the Michael Connolly books that are uh, set in Los Angeles and he's written so many and I I just hadn't read them. I mean, I, I kind of had always known they were in the background and, and I think I'd read one or two, but I just, I hadn't really sat down and, and just, uh, uh, just binge read them. And now, now I really am. And it's great because there are so many. <laughs> And in a way, it's it's good. It, it's good to hold some and sold some series in reserve for a rainy day because it's just it's so satisfying to find an author. It's like you've tapped into a vein of gold, yes. you know. So, so I mean, so that's the vein I'm on right now. I, the series I really loved, uh, or the really the series I really love right now is. Um, I love Jane Casey's Maeve Kerrigan series. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, I, that's probably the one, the minute those books come out, I just, 
stop everything and and read the next one. And I was lucky to find those. Uh, I guess I would I didn't come in at the very beginning, so there were a few available already when I first discovered them. And of course, I just devoured them. Um, I also love uh, the 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 Nikki French Frida Klein series. Yes. But of course, that's over. I'm just waiting to see what they do yes, next. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I love uh, the Adrian McKinty, uh, Sean Duffy series that's set in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Oh, right. It sounds like it would be very dark, and in a lot of ways, it is. Uh, but he has a great sense of humor, and all the characters he has in that story are just wonderful. So, um, I'm I'm a very big fan of the, those books too. Well, they, they sound I, a couple of those I haven't seen, so I will go and have a look for them. Yeah, and I guess um, the one book I the, the I've got a series on my to to read list by Ellie Griffiths. Um, she writes the Ruth Galloway series, I think, um, about the archaeologist. Oh, yes. Um, but, uh, she has another series of books about, uh, I think it's a magician series in the 1950s, which I really want to read. I think, I think it's called, uh, Stevens and Mephisto or something. Um, it looks really fun. And that's the one I, I have next coming up oh, next. Right. So. Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> Look, circling around, looking over your career at this stage, if you were doing it all again, what would you change if anything? Oh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure what I what I could change. Um, the thing I would love to, the thing I wish I had more of, and which seems weird because I just said that I had a certain resilience in my career, but I really think I wish I wish I had a little more persistence. Um, there were some books that I was writing that I wish I had I had kept up with. Um, even though I had gotten a little discouraged. Um, so I have a lot of books in a drawer that I think don't deserve to be in the drawer <laughs> um, um, that I wish I could find an audience for. And maybe maybe that's what self-publishing will, will do if I, if I ever, you know, figure that out, <laughs> which is one of my to-do lists, uh, on my to-do list. So uh, hopefully... Hopefully some of those books will find a find an audience eventually. And they might be the ones that you end up indie publishing. Yeah, they might be. They might be. Because um, they're sort of the orphans. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, you've mentioned in passing already a little bit about what you're working on next, but your new projects, what are you hoping to complete in the next 12 months, for example? Um, that would be definitely um, to finish uh, the third Louise Falk book, um, which still has, you know, I, I'll probably be working on it for another two months. And then um, I have to write my cozy mystery. And I'm, I would like to, um, uh, I'm researching a, a a book that's based on a real person in history um, that I'm hoping to write a book about, a fictionalized book about. So um, that will be probably my big side project um, that I'm working on on my own, which I hope will hopefully will be a historical novel someday, but I'm not sure when. And would you consider indie publishing that or would you seek a, a traditional publisher? Um, I would probably seek a traditional publisher, publisher for that. Um, I, it's really hard to find. Um, I work with a lot of 
uh, independent, uh, self-published authors. And uh, it's a real hard road road to hoe, um, yes. especially if you don't have a, a, a big name to begin with. Um, so I always think it's wise to at least try to find a, a, a traditional publisher first, um, unless you have a really good sense of uh, how you're going to promote this book on your own. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we really have come to the end of our time, Liz. So where can people find you online? Do you like interacting with your readers? Do you do very much online or do you do book club sort of events? How do you how do you talk with your readers? I, I love to talk to readers. I feel like I'm online all the time. <laughs> um, uh, but I, um, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, that's where I do a lot of, uh, well, that's where I do a lot of my book research. Um, I'm at Elizabeth Bass on Twitter. Bass is my real last name. Um, uh, I'm also on Goodreads. I love to be on Goodreads. I uh, love to hear from, I always read, I always read my reviews on Goodreads, although I don't jump in and talk to, talk to a lot of the reviewers because I think they should be left alone. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Um, but I am on Goodreads. I, I enjoy Goodreads. I love to look at what other people are recommending. I find it really essential as a reader to be on Goodreads. Um, I have a website. Uh, um, it's it's sometimes neglected because uh, it doesn't it doesn't. I don't know about websites. I, I've never gotten as as excited about websites as I am about. Uh, being on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. And is fa Facebook under Liz Freeland or? I have a Liz Freeland page and I also have an Elizabeth Bass page. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and your website, that's under Liz Freeland, is it? It's, it's Elizabeth Bass. Okay, because I, I did see the Elizabeth Bass one, yes. Elizabeth-Bass.com. Lovely. So. Yeah, 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 that's good. Well, look, it's been wonderful chatting. It really has. But there was that last question that I really am curious to hear your response on it. It's just that I was listening to a podcast, actually, and somebody mentioned that the winner of this year's Amazon Storytelling Contest, she wrote a dystopian novel about a world where people had the right to amend. That, that meant that they could go back to their lives. They could actually formally write a letter to the government and ask to change two decisions in their life if they wanted to. Now, I wondered if if you were offered that chance, would you consider taking it up? And if you did take it up, do you think it would actually change anything materially or would your life work out exactly the same anyway in the end? Oh, well, that's just such a great idea, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it a great idea? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, I would have to say only two. I could only change two things. Only two. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm just one of those people. I, I'm, you know, I wake up at 3 a.m. thinking about all the things I've done wrong, all the things I shouldn't have said, all of the, you know, all of my big regrets. You know, they, they prop up at 3 a.m. Um, and uh, yeah, I would definitely want to. I, I, I. I don't know which ones I would pick, but I would definitely, I would definitely take them up on that. Um, whether it would make that much difference, well, it's all hypothetical, isn't it? So 
it yes, is all it would, hypothetical. It would make a huge difference. I would be so happy. <laughs> it would have to be, you know, yes, I would definitely take them up on it. Uh, and hopefully it would, it would lead us to a better place, but I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I'm not sure either. It's we must perhaps we better read the book and find out what happens. (laughs) (laughs) See what the pitfalls really are. (laughs) Look, it's been wonderful talking. I'm really in awe of your career. How many books have you have you actually published? Well, you know, I I don't think I I haven't ever counted, but I think I'm somewhere in the forties still. Oh, are you? I saw a reference online to fifty somewhere. So yes. Well, um. I wrote it's quite a likely you've lost track, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I also wrote some with my sister um, and under a different name. And so uh, I probably need to count those too. But um, yeah, I, I think it's around 40-something. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. It's a tremendous record, my dear. And you just keep going. You've got, got lots of good stuff to do yet, I'm sure. I love the sound of the... Um, the, tr- the real person who you're writing a fictional account of. It makes me think of a book I read last year called The Paris Wife about, um, oh, yeah. yeah, that was Martha Gellhorn and um, Ernest Hemingway, their marriage, a fictionalized account, but it was really quite a good read. You know, I think I've got that on my Kindle to read. So yeah, I, I really recommend it. It's quite interesting. It's, oh, that's great. It yeah. gives a great insight into how an... I mean, I think we all have that appreciation of what a battle creative women had when they were paired up with big ego creative men, you know, how hard it was right. to actually, you know, create a space for themselves. Um, and that that's, that's marriage tells that story, really. In the end, she almost had to walk away from the marriage to be able to work. Right. Wow. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, my dear, well, look, lovely chatting. It really is. And all the very best with the new projects and we'll follow you with interest. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, thinking of me and having me on. It's been wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audioservices at gmail.com. Or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right, and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. 
I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at Abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.